Hey everybody, I'm back, episode number 53. I have been kicked out of Annie's room, but for a very good reason, because Annie is home. So she's been around for a week, and um, leaves tomorrow. So I've been kicked back down to the basement where I'm on the ping pong table, and um, I'm still going to try to give this a shot. Got a few things to talk about. My last couple have had guests, but I am back on my own today and uh, going to go through some stuff. So thanks for listening, and um, here we go. So the the usual random stuff to get rid of. I do have some tennis talk today, I think. Um, social media update, I'm still in this. If you know me, I'm a fairly curious person, and I've gotten into the social media stuff primarily for this podcast and to just see how things work. And I can't figure it out. This, what content, and I hate that word, but now I'm using it. Uh, What's best? So, for instance, I posted on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. A couple of weeks ago, I found an old video at Moreland of the snow. And anybody that was members there knew how much we battled snowstorms. It was just collected in the front and the back. And it was ultimately my job to clear the snow. And I hated it. And it was awful. But I found an old video. It's like 10 seconds of this blizzard in the front. and Snow piled up and us not being able to get into the club. Um, it's just the basic snow video that everybody's seen. And between all of my stuff, it got over 4,000 views. So I compare that to when I put a 60-second a, a video about tennis or pickleball with instruction, and those will get 14 or 100, or I've got some with four or 500, but nothing like a video of snow blowing in Wisconsin, which everybody's seen. So I cannot figure it out. Um, I have tried same time of day, different times of day. Um, I think people want content of weather. That's what I figured out. So I'm going to start posting more of weather videos. It's going to be my next, maybe that's my next thing instead of my podcast, just pictures of weather. So I'm still working on it. I'm super curious on how it works. Molly and I on my TikTok will post random things like a burned bagel or bread. Last week we posted a plate of salsa, um, our cat drinking out of the sink, random stuff, and those always get lots of views, and I guess that's what people want these days. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about on the tennis side of things, but so that's my social media update. Many, many episodes ago, I talked about how I don't like it when people compare apples to oranges, that saying, um, because I think apples and oranges are really, really similar. Both fruits, both round, both have peels, both are healthy. Like, there's so many things about an apple and an orange that, to me, are exactly the same. And so that that saying bothers me. And I've got another one, and that is when you've heard taking candy from a baby when you're talking about something that's easy oh that's so easy that's like taking candy from a baby i don't understand it have you ever tried to take candy from a baby maybe a little older than a baby but don't babies love sugar and candy and they can grab onto stuff with their little claws and their almost teeth and they're going to hang on to that because it's 
it's sweet. It's sugar. I don't think taking candy from a baby would be the easiest possible thing to do. Maybe taking it from someone or another age group would be easier. But a baby grabbing onto candy seems like poking a bear. I would never want to do that. So I just don't think that should be a saying. So another thing when I'm president, we're getting rid of those um, those sayings that don't apply anymore to the world. All right, let's get to serious stuff. I have book reviews because I read a lot. Um, and I've finished three since... I've talked about it. So first one, and all these I, I'm going to give good reviews to, it's called Damn Lucky. It's a best-selling New York Times book. It's basically about a guy. Um, his name was John Luckadoo, which they called him Lucky. And shortly after Pearl Harbor, right after it, he enlisted in the military and wanted to be a pilot. He had no pilot skills, never been around planes, but decided he wanted to be a pilot. So... Um, after, shortly after December 7th, 1941, he joined up, went to pilot school, trained with the Air Force, became a second lieutenant, lieutenant, and went to war and flew his B-17 over and into countries that were trying to shoot us down and, and end us. And the way you got out of your enlistment was at that time you had to complete 25 missions. And the majority, I think it was like 90% of these 20-year-olds, 21-year-old pilots did not get to 25 because they were killed. And this is a true story about him surviving and going into battle and flying over Germany and all these other countries while being attacked, trying to drop bombs on strategic places, all the while being attacked uh, by the Germans. Anyway, great book, true story. It's a must read, and I'm not a history person. My dad is, and I think it's. I've started to read some more history books, but if you like that stuff, awesome, read it. Um, great, great story. Second, there's a book I read called Walking with Sam. It's by Andrew McCarthy, and some of you my age may remember that name. He was a big actor in the 80s. He was in Weekend at Bernie's, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, Mannequin. Now he's a director and a writer and has directed dozens of TV series that you've probably seen. But his book, he's also a travel writer. Uh, got a bunch of books on travel. And this is about a 500-mile walk across Spain on something called the Camino de Santiago Trail. Um, great book if you enjoy books about fathers and sons and those relationships and getting to know each other and um, travel, learning about the world. Really good. Uh, highly recommend this as well. So it's Walking with Sam. And then lastly, I just finished one. Again, it's somewhat history, but recent. My dad got me on this one. It's called Saved. It's about a war reporter named Benjamin Hall, who has been, I think, working for Fox. But his job was to go in, and he's the kind of guy you would see in the middle of the battles with the helmet on and all that stuff in the middle of it. And he was in Kiev. Kiev? Sorry, I should have looked it up, but 
when Russia invaded Ukraine on he was there. He went into it. And in March of 2022, he was hit by bombs and missiles. And it's his story of how he got out, how he was saved, the people that organized to save him from this road in Ukraine, completely blown up, lost a leg, lost a foot, um, brain injuries, really, really bad shape, urgently, urgent life-threatening, and the people who organized to get him out across the border and onto planes and trains and got him home. And then it's the story of him being fixed, two years in the hospital, dozens of surgeries, um, and eventually making it back home. And great book, uh, easy read. I highly recommend that as well if you're into that kind of thing. And the one I'm reading right now, total change of pace, it's called Ragdoll. Really good so far. It's about a serial killer who pieces together other pieces together a body using parts of the people he's already killed. Um, so that's great. Glad I added that to the podcast, but I'll I'll review that next time. But so far it's kind of a thriller with a detective hunting this person down. So that's my that's my book reviews. Um, so I'm going to start a new segment and those that listen to this, that work with me at the WAC, um, know we decided I needed to do this. This is called what is wrong with people. And I'm going to use it as a place to tell some stories about what we deal with as tennis coaches and club managers in that world, what happens in the office, things we discuss and have to work through. So I've got three for my what is wrong with people segment. And for that, I think I need some cheers. Yeah. How about that? I got cheers. So here's the first one. I'm not going to use names or I'm going to try to be as general as, as I can. I have, I've got an email a couple of weeks ago from a person copied to others who basically told me they were they're ready to take beginner tennis lessons. We'll be there at nine o'clock on Friday morning. Can you have rackets ready for us? Very simple. And I thought, what? So I I, I looked. They're not members of the club. They didn't even know the schedule. Like we at nine o'clock, you're just going to show up. You think that's is, do people think that's the things that can happen at a club and for tennis coaches that were just all lined up in the lobby like taxis waiting for someone to choose us for their lessons like i didn't i couldn't understand so i responded are are you members no um well we can't do that for members here's all this stuff and the response was well we're thinking about joining so we'll be there for our lesson at nine o'clock on friday morning and I had to be, no, you won't. We don't have a program, and our programs are only for members. And this went back and forth for multiple emails. So it's kind of ended. I don't know these people. But that's not an uncommon thing for people at clubs to have people that believe they can just walk in the door and um, choose their coach. So second one, multiple emails from a player who did not give me their name, multiple words spelled wrong, almost like texting and using um, not emojis, but changing 
words, you know, words that you would typically spell out in email, making them short. No name, no phone number, nothing. I don't know who this person is. And again, tells me they'll be here. This one was Friday morning at 8.15 for their, their tennis lesson. And again, I'm thinking, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're a member. And you're just going to show up here again thinking that we're going to have a staff of people waiting on you. And this went in, again, multiple emails, never got a name, not once. And I, finally, I just asked, what is your name, Sen? Never got one. And I finally just ended it with, please don't attend, don't show up Friday morning at 8.15. We are not prepared for you. You have to be, all that stuff we do, right? Um, and then the last one for my first segment of what is wrong with people, that's my deep scary voice uh, had a player who sent me a long again this email some of this was text I get we get both wanting to play at a higher level league than they were registered for I got the whole spiel of how they've been playing really good and the reason their ratings not high enough is because their partners aren't very good and they were dealing with an injury, but they're really much better than their ratings as they are. And so they actually, along with this, attached a picture of their USTA rating for proof to me to try to convince me to let, let this person play up. Well, the current rating was one and a half points lower than the minimum requirement for the league they wanted. So, for instance, if it's a 4-5 league, their rating is a 3-0, not even close. But they're trying to convince me that they they should belong in this league. And it's one and a half points away. At least make it, if it's a 4-5 or five league, at least show me you're a 4. Give me a chance to make it happen. But I just don't understand what people are thinking. So what is wrong with people? There's also... So many more, but I'm I'm going to save it to two to three for each one. So if you've got any cool things, whether you're a coach who happens to listen to this or a player that has seen thing, I'd love to hear them because I'm gonna I'm gonna take some things from our trainers as well on things they they deal with. All right, let's get to some tennis stuff. This will be a fairly short um, podcast today. Um, so I went to this movie called The Meg Two in the trenches or something about the trench and if you haven't seen these it's about a giant prehistoric shark called a megalodon my daughters had seen the meg one i hadn't but this movie came out in annie's home so we decided to go see it so the night before i watched meg one to kind of give me an idea of what meg two would be and um it's actually a very entertaining movie if you like that kind of movie it's cheesy and funny and great action and stuff happens that you're like cracking up at um, like Jason Statham on a jet ski over this uh, flying off of this giant wave with a spear with a bomb on it in his hand and he's like in the air and he looks like you might think like Zeus or Thor or something and he throws this into the Meg's mouth but it's kind of cheesy but it is a fun I'd say popcorn and it's a large popcorn, large Coke type of movie. That's our rating system if you listen to my last podcast. Anyway, he he's taking care of and working with 
um, a little girl. She's probably not little. She's probably I don't know twelve. But all these crazy things, and they're trying to survive, and they're trying to save people, and the world's going to end, and fighting off sharks. And then there were some dinosaurs, and it, it got a little it got a little mixed up with their their themes. But anyway, he kept telling her how we're going to get out of this is we're going to. Here was his statement: We do what's in front of us, then we do the next thing. So every time it looked like, oh, we're everybody's going to die, the shark's going to win, the superhero Jason Statham would say, "We do what's in front of us, then we do the next thing." And as goofy as this movie was, that is a great thing for me as a coach to think about and for you to talk about. Simply taking one task when you're in trouble, taking one task at a time, and then moving to the next one. You're down 3-0. You're struggling. All right, let, what's what's next in front of us? It's the next point. Let's get that one. Not think about, well, if we change this, we might get to 3-2, or we might get to 4-3, or we're going to lose. We're, we're going down. It's what's, what's next of you? What's next in front of you, the next point? They're serving to me. I'm the returner. Let's get this back. Let's Let's do this. And I think you can do that in your, your practices. I struggle. I'm trying to get better with keeping my students and clients on the task we're working on because they get distracted with some other mistake, something else they struggle with. I do a program at the WAC called Scott's Shots. It's basically half hour. We do one every day. There's a forehand, a backhand, a serve, a volley, two serves. Um, so I struggle initially, like, we'll have backhand day. And I have to really remember that this is backhand day. So if we get into some point play and someone misses a forehand or a volley, I don't start yelling at them. Not yelling, but commenting on them. And now I'm learning to tell them, I don't care that you missed that. This is backhand day. I'm not ju- You always use the word judge. I'm not judging you missing that volley because this is backhand day and stay on task. And many of the players in these groups will forget. You came here for backhands. Don't complain to me about your volley or anything else. You don't get that right. 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 Um, and I think as you practice, that's a great thing, too. If you go out in a practice session with a coach or a friend or a teammate, what are we doing? We're working on cross-court forehands. Let's go. Ten minutes. Time, time it. Put a number on it, something. And do not judge yourself on the other things until that other thing is what you're practicing. So do what's in front of you, and then on to the next thing, and take these little little steps. I've talked to lots of players who struggle maybe winning the first set, and then they always lose the second. Or they win a tight tiebreaker 7-6, then they go down 3-0 quickly. Because they what's still in front of them is the next game. And so I think a great one for that is tell, tell yourself or your players, you're playing to 12, not six. Six gets you halfway. you got to get to 12. Possibly 14, two tiebreakers, right? First one to that is a way for you to keep on track because if you have that, have that issue. So I think that's a great one. So do what's in front of you and then do the next thing. Is Good luck with that. I struggle with that too. Along those lines, and I'm leading up to some something I posted this week, is... I watched The Bear. I've talked about it. It's done. It's amazing. You have to watch it. Put down this podcast right now and watch The Bear. So they talk about briefly the economy of movement 
and I looked it up because it was the bear, the main character, freaking out because when they built him his new kitchen, things weren't where they were supposed to be. And, and in a kitchen, apparently, it's about time and making every single step efficient, and then it counts. And he was he was angry because he's working on some plate he's making, and something he needed caused him to take more steps than he had time for. So he wanted everything in the right place so you're not moving around. Um, didn't talks about not moving a single inch more than you have to. And I, if you've been on court with me, you know how I talk about efficiency and balance and do what it takes, nothing more. So I Googled it, and the economy of movement thing is used in all walks of life and careers. I just, it's used a lot in kitchens. So it says on Google, because Google, you know, Google's right on everything. It's never wrong. The economy of movement refers to the efficiency at which somebody moves from one point to another. An individual with efficient movement economy can travel at a top speed using less energy than their inefficient counterparts. I wish I had written that, but I stole that from Google, some website. But isn't that amazing? Pretty simple. If you're more efficient in your movement, you can travel faster and use less energy than your opponent. This leads me, that plus the Meg part about doing what's in front of you, to my post this week about are you a good net player or a good volleyer. And I've been teaching a lot at the WAC, and I know there's many coaches, not just there, but everywhere, that are going to argue with me, and I will win. Because all you have to do is go look at the pros, and they're the ones we we want to be like. Um, but it was about I teach a lot about being a great net player is being efficient. It's knowing where you're going, when you're going, why you're going there, where are you hitting? Should you let it bounce? Should you take it on the fly? Is it a topspin volley? Is it a traditional volley? Is it a slice? Is it a drop volley? Do you need to hit it hard? What location? There's so many things that a great net player knows but not necessarily a good volleyer. I've had players that have great volleys, don't know how to play the net, and I've had others that are amazing net players that have crap volleys, and I'd much rather take the amazing net player. And I've been talking a lot about people's footwork on the volley. I was taught, like almost everybody listening, to cross over and stomp and put that foot down and have this nice pose and balance, and now I don't teach it. I don't like anybody to teach that crossover as the only thing. That's where people would don't understand the context. That can't be the only way. The ball is going to come at you, I don't know, 4,000 different ways. High, slow, hard, spin, side spin, top spin, all this stuff, right? So how do you expect to treat a ball that can come at you in multiple ways with an action that you only do one way, crossover, right? Plus, you're not, you're not really prepared for the next ball. So I, I look up Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and you'll see these professionals. They, they're athletes. I always use the term be an athlete. Face the danger. The ball's coming at you. Why do I need to turn and face the other direction? Why do I need to turn my back to you? Can I, can I take it head on versus always crossing over? And the best videos of the best volleyers, they're facing straight ahead. They look like athletes. They'll move their right foot, their left foot. They'll move a foot back, one to the right, one to the left. They might cross over. I'm not getting rid of it if the ball asks you to do it, but why would I take that big step if it prevents me from being prepared for the next ball and if my opponent opponent didn't ask me to? If they hit it to me and I can hit it 
barely moving my right foot and middle of the string to the location I want, awesome. Why do I need to do more? And I think there's a lot of coaches that are teaching way too much, right? Face the danger. Here comes the ball. Where's my racket? Let's go. Can I get the ball to my strings without all those turns and twists and looking the wrong direction? Can I see both players on the other side or my singles opponent? And I think the things I chose today, the economy of movement and uh, let's we do what's in front of us, apply to that. Because what's in front of us, here's a ball coming 120 miles an hour. Really, coach, you want me to turn sideways, take my left foot, cross it over, and be able to continue to see that ball and hit it? No, I can't. Too fast. I'm going to put my strings in the right place, and I'm going to be as balanced as I can. If that means I face it open stance or put one foot behind me, I don't care. It's do what you've got to do, and that's what Jason Statham in the Meg taught me, is to do what I want to do, what you need to do, and nothing more. Be as efficient as you can be, not just when you're at the net. I think it is the is probably the most important because you have less time. The ball coming at you quicker, probably from closer, especially you're in, in, if you're in the doubles. Um, so think about that, and um, I, I I preach it, and I'd love to have conversations with other coaches to try to um, prove me wrong, not prove me wrong, but change my mind a bit. And some can, and some no. I'm gonna I'm gonna win those those battles. So think about that stuff. Are you balanced? Are you athletic? Are you being economical with your movements? Very very important. That's it, everybody. Um, as usual, if you listen to this, I'd love it if you'd share it with anybody. You can like it or hate it. Leave me a review on any of the stuff. Follow it on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. If you do TikTok, you can see all kinds of other goofy stuff we post just to see what people will um, watch and people will watch anything. And I, um, if you're a WAC member, our new classes are out. The new schedule, we've got all kinds of great options 19 options a week now which is up from 11 last fall along with your leagues all of those are in uh, registrations closed so um, if you're not why don't you come see us out there it'd be great so i guess that's it guys i'll see um see y'all in the court hope everything's good and uh see you next time back in annie's room bye-bye